Welcome to the Amplifier Podcast, the show where the best in business discuss how you can grow your business best. I'm Wyatt McPherson, I produce this show, and this episode, Don Cooper and Chris Coombs are joined by author, entrepreneur, and leader of the COO Alliance, Cameron Harold. Cameron will be with us for three episodes, and in this first one, they discuss what sort of traits best make up leaders in different levels of a business, with a strong focus on the top of a company, with the CEO, along with the importance of having the right person be your second-in-command in that all-important COO role. They provide tons of insight that I know you'll get a great deal of value from, so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss the next two episodes with Cameron. And when you're ready to start your own podcast or kickstart marketing for your business, be sure to visit us at AmplifierX.com. As always, I truly do hope you enjoy this episode of the Amplifier Podcast. Now, please take it away, Don. So Cameron, you and I have known each other for three-ish years now. You have a history of growing companies as the second in command. You've written five books, I think, right? Is it five now? Yeah. Yeah. So I have two of them here, Vivid Vision and Meeting Sucks. And and I think this book is the first one that I learned about. Actually, it's the first time I met you. We were at Joe Polish's event and you you had a booth there. And, uh, you know, in 30 seconds, you convinced me I needed to buy a box of these books for my team. So I did. (laughs) And, and, And ultimately, what was funny about that is you kind of sold me on the book title because I just felt all of our meetings sucked. Uh, Later on, I wasn't shortly after that, but the next of your books that I read that I really loved, that I really, I think, had a big transformation on my life personally, was Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs that you wrote with Hal. Sure. And, uh, and then I think this is probably my newest favorite book, Vivid Vision. We worked uh, and developed our Vivid Vision uh, to really crystallize where we were going in the business. Now, of course, you've also got Double Double and you've got free PR. You've done your homework. Well, you know, I'm, you know I, I, I got a bromance with you, man, right? So <laughs> I, I, I follow your stuff. I, I love your wisdom. Um, I think our audience will get... If you don't read the books, and I suggest you do, Cameron's got great one in three minute sort of videos that he posts on LinkedIn that are just little snippets of wisdom that I think if you collect all of those, you could, you know, that's like CEO coaching in a box right there with the videos that you post. So thank you. Cameron started his career as an entrepreneur from day one. You started at age 21 with 14 employees by 35, you had helped create and build two hundred million dollar businesses, and by age forty-two, you were growing one eight hundred got junk. Uh, when I first moved to Western Canada, the very first company of yours that uh, I I became aware of was College Pro Painters, and I, they, they didn't exist in where I lived in the east, but they were all over the Edmonton area the summer you, of nineteen ninety-two. I was in, I'm from St. John's, Newfoundland originally. Yeah, they weren't, we weren't, we, we were in Newfoundland for about two summers and um, we could never get, we could never get the right university student to be a good franchisee there, but we were there for about two summers in the, in the early nineties. And um, the guy who was running it, I can't remember his name now, ended up moving to Halifax with the company. Funny. But they were everywhere in the summer of 1992, everywhere I looked in the Edmonton area. And I was a young university student. 
and I wasn't painting houses. I was paving parking lots. <laughs> so, and doing driveways, I was doing asphalt work to pay my way through school at the time. And everywhere I went, I would see college pro painters. Oh, wow. and, that was and so, yeah. And so then you moved on and, and, and created and helped build 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Now, if memory serves me right, you started there when you had like, it was like two, five, seven of you and and you had this sort of whirlwind of growth across North America. Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, we went from 14. <clears throat> I joined as the second in command as the 14th employee. And when I left six and a half years later, we had 3,100 employees system-wide. We went from 2 million to 106 million in revenue in six years. Ended up ranking as the number two company in all of Canada to work for. And, and we landed 5,200 stories about our company in the media. So we had quite the, quite the trajectory, quite the growth years. There was also another company that I did in between college pro, well, two actually in between college pro and, and 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Um, I was a partner with a group called Void Auto Body, <clears throat> which we built out and ended up taking Void Auto Body public. And um, we did a roll up in it and a, a big brand play in Canada, took the company public. And now it's called Gerber Auto Collision in the US. It's about a $900 million, billion dollar company now. And then there's a private currency company. It was a technology play. Um, so. Brian, actually, the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, watched me do these, these three companies and saw the depth of experience. And we, we really were good, strong friends. And in fact, he was my best man at my wedding three months before I started to work with him. So we had such a strong trust and a good relationship. And he knew my skills that it was almost like he had a five-year interview period with me to watch me before he brought me on. So it was almost like he had an unfair advantage um, in bringing me on as his COO. So what's the difference between that you see between a CEO and a COO typically? Usually the COO is better looking. Um, no. <laughs> it's definitely the case with between Chris and I, for sure. Yeah, we, we've, all got, we've all got a face for radio, the three of us, right? Yeah, um, exactly. So, so the difference between a CEO, so let's talk about the entrepreneurial CEO first, and then yes. the more professionally managed business CEO second. So the entrepreneurial CEO is like the founder entrepreneurial CEO, right? They start the company, they're building the company. Maybe they take it over for their parents and they're really building an entrepreneurial organization. And then they get to like the 250, 500 employee zone, maybe where you're starting to hire CEOs, right? So in the entrepreneurial CEO, they're usually, um, they're often ADD. They're often on the spectrum for bipolar disorder. Um, and, and neither of those, by the way, are disorders. They're actually superpowers for entrepreneurs. The attention deficit means that you don't focus, but it means you see everything. So you're seeing what's happening with your customer, the supplier, the market, the economy, your branding, the spreadsheets, stuff on the website. You notice so many things and it's driving you crazy. And the mania and perpetual emotion allows you to delegate quickly. So the COOs tend to be a little bit more focused. They tend to be a little bit more analytical. They tend to see things a little, little bit more linear. They tend to um, focus on getting stuff done. And, and they're not as distracted, which makes them a really good partnership together. You know, that you need someone to save the CEO from themselves, but you need the CEO to be that perpetual motion machine. So they tend to have very different personality profiles. Um, entrepreneurial CEOs tend to start things very quickly. They tend to notice things that I mentioned very quickly. And the mania of their bipolar is why people will follow them. It's why people will quit their jobs to go work for this crazy startup or early stage company. 
It's why they will, um, you know, invest in you. It's why the banker will, will give you money without even really understanding the business because that energy and enthusiasm carries you. You know, only 3% of the population are bipolar and, and only 3% of the population are entrepreneurs. So there's probably more of a correlation. Bipolar disorder has been nicknamed by the medical community as the CEO disease. So it, it's probably not a disease or a disorder at all. It's probably just the traits that we have. So that's, that's some of the things that I see. When you get into the more professionally managed zones, the CEO tends to slow down, right? They tend to be more of the MBA, more of the analytical, more of the strategic, um, you know, the, they're more matrix decision-making. They're more on the collaboration and building teams and consensus is just a different skill set than the entrepreneurial CEO zone. Yeah, I, I worked in that space and um, it drove me crazy. <laughs> oh, I, I wouldn't survive. Like I coached the CEO and the second in command at Sprint for 18 months and I was way out of my zone. You know, it's just not my zone. Uh, it's a different thing for us, I think for Chris and I, because many of our clients are large uh, corporate managed uh, energy businesses. And, uh, you know, on the industrial side of our business, they're all, they're sort of, they are that corporate structure and having to navigate that, the, those systems and um, the, the levels of management and the way that they make decisions is certainly um, an interesting challenge for us in the way that they do business compared to the way that we try to be, um, I think the way that I describe it is our industry is often like a very large uh a very large ship with a small rudder that doesn't move fast and it doesn't change direction too quickly. And we try to be a fleet of speedboats to try to navigate yeah. and, 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 and uh, move things that uh, don't naturally move. Yeah, I would add to that as well. And, and this is not unique to our industry, but there's a heavy compliance aspect. And sometimes the compliant aspect counteracts the speed of the entrepreneur. And you really got to balance that. That, yeah. that can be difficult as well. You know, what we're, what we're talking about here is really how important it is for the CEO and COO to really complement each other. They're not supposed to be the same. You know, you, they can have similar personality profiles in some ways, but they also need to complement each other's strengths inside the business. So, you know, it, it, what's really interesting about the COO is that in some companies, the COO runs finance. In some companies, they don't. In some cases, the marketing reports to the CEO, and some it doesn't. In some, uh, IT reports to the CEO, and some it doesn't. So what really happens is the CEO sits down and says, here's all the areas that I'm really good at. Here's all the areas I really love. Let's have those report to me. Here's all the areas that I suck at, or here's all the areas that drain me of energy, or that you know maybe I'm not that competent at let's get you to run those. And as long as the COO loves those areas and doesn't want to get into the spots of the CEOs, you almost have that, that match made in heaven, right? You know, we're, we're modeled on uh, the EOS model, which means um, from a slightly different terminology, you know, in the EOS model, I'm the visionary, Chris is the integrator. And then all the departments effectively roll up to Chris from a managing them point of view and integrating them. But, you know, everything to do with sales and marketing and messaging and, you know, going out to the marketplace, I tend to coach and work with those departments really, really closely from a, yeah. from a managing point of view and integrating point of view, they do report to Chris cause I don't want to manage them, but 
from a coaching and a collaborate collaborating, I tend to be really, really involved in those areas. Yeah. And then I yeah. go, I go out and find crazy other innovation ideas in our business to try to get Chris to do new and different things in the company, probably faster than we can implement them. <laughs> I think that's the core, the, the real core of the entrepreneurial CEO is strategy and vision. Um, you know, there's a funny story about, about these two leaders that are cutting down forests and, and they're supposed to cut down the forest as fast as possible. And, and they're both doing a great job clear cutting. And the one leader stops and climbs up to the tallest tree and looks around and says, holy shit, we're in the wrong forest. And the other one is just clear cutting as fast as possible. And I think strategy is that role of the entrepreneur is to have time, right? I live in Vancouver where we've got mountains nearby. And I often think about the entrepreneur's job is to go to the mountains and climb up to the top and look on what's on the other side and come back and tell the team what we're going to be coming into. Like, here's where we're going to be, right? To tell us what we're facing. And then the CEO's job is to make sure that we execute to get to that, to that next stage all the time. What kind of challenges do you see with, I mean, you're, you're known as the, the CEO whisperer because you coach a lot of companies in addition to developing a, a great one-of-a-kind program for the second in commands. But when you work with CEOs, um, and in that dynamic, particularly in the entrepreneurial space, what are the what are the challenges in the coaching that you you often see with the CEO and the CEO, and what's the difference? Well, with the CEO, for for both, I think it's it's often a lack of focus. I think for all leaders, it's often a lack of focus. That um, you know we have so many distractions more than ever since the, you know, the advent of the internet and now with social media, you know, so in the last 20 years, 22 years with the internet and then with social media in the last, you know, uh, eight years um, or, or not even, uh, you know, yeah, it's more 14 years. We really have a lot more distractions, a lot more things coming at us. And I think it's prevented or harmed our ability to focus. You know, that, that if you if you take light and you disperse light, it can light up a room. But if you compress and focus light, it becomes a laser and it can cut through steel. So I think that's one area that that most leaders tend to struggle with is is that I think another one is that most leaders don't necessarily have the skills to do their jobs, um, that we might have the skills in our industry, but we don't necessarily have what I call the soft skills or the executive functioning skills as leaders. So. As an example, I rolled out a course recently called Invest in Your Leaders, and the 12 core modules are, I'll, I'll try to rattle them off the top of my head, but situational leadership, coaching, delegation, time management, interviewing, running effective meetings, hiring, um, problem solving, uh, email management, delegation, coaching, one-on-one -on -one meetings, like how many of those skills have our managers actually been trained in? Almost none. You know, like you as a CEO, have you been trained on doing job interviews? I, I have because I went out and got it. Right. Okay. <laughs> right? But I then, went out. And, I, I mean, a lot of the things that you've listed, I've recognized over my career that I didn't have some of those skills because so much of my time was technical. Yeah. Um, uh, that I, you know, as you, and it wasn't intuitive. It's sort of like, I got to figure out how to interview better because I'm hiring crappy and well, I got to figure out how to delegate. So I got to figure out how to do that bit. And so, but, but, you know, for me, 
you're you're in the you're in the one or two percent who actually recognize their deficiency in an area and go out and figure out how to get better at it. Right. Most entrepreneurs just do the thing we, they've always done without even recognizing there might be a better way. And I think some of it's based on this insecurity that maybe we're going to look weak. So we have to keep that game face on that we know what we're doing. The school system messed all of us up, by the way, because the school system taught us all that we had to be the smartest person in the room and we had to be able to memorize everything. The reality is now what we need is to know the smartest people and have them either give us the skills or to do stuff for us. But that's the other thing. So I think the first is focus. And the second is that most leaders, most CEOs, most COOs, most leaders don't necessarily have the skills to do their day to day. Mm -hmm. Right. And if we can give them those skills, if they knew how to coach better, if they knew how to do time management better, if they knew how to run effective meetings, if they knew how to use situational leadership, et cetera, they'd be much more effective in their day to day, which means they could get more done with less people faster. Yeah. I mean, from a leadership development standpoint, I know Chris has actually been do doing a lot of work uh, with his team, developing our own system for leadership development, because we recognized inside of uh, inside of our businesses that we put a lot of energy into developing a few of us because, you know, for me, if I decide I want a new course, I just go do it. Right. And, and, and so I've done, a, I've done a ton of that and, and, and I've sort of pushed Chris over the last couple of years to do more and more of that for himself. And he was also pulling it from a leadership standpoint. It's funny enough that that's how Chris became our COO. I was, I, I had a vacuum, I, you know, you know, much like many entrepreneurial businesses, when you start the founder, the CEO, the entrepreneur wears 10 hats, you know, you're in sales, you're in marketing, you're in operations, you're in asset purchasing, you're in procedures and all these things. And then gradually you, you, you start to peel away all the stuff. Well, without a system, the way I peel it away is stuff. I, you know, the crappy stuff that I just didn't like doing. Yeah. And, and, and intuitively looked for people who were going to be better at it than me. Yeah. And I think what you recognized in Chris was when a leader's really focused on growing people, that's actually the leaders that you want to be promoting, right? When I've always believed that a leader's core job is to grow people, right? Not to do the work because the only, can, the only way we can one, and I was about to say the only way we can amplify ourselves and that's the name of our podcast, but, the only way we can actually amplify ourselves is to grow people so that we can get more results through people, right? That's the, tr the easiest way to amplify our own efforts is to focus on, on growing our people, to invest in our leaders, to, to grow them. Yeah, I think for me, you know, looking for leaders in the business, I intuitively were, was always watching and looking for people to, to step outside of the norm and, and raise their hand. And... Um, in what way, like raise their hand saying they don't well, know? Well, you know, somehow in their behaviors or, you know, that they were exhibiting leadership that, okay, this person's ready. Um, and Chris certainly did a ton of that, you know, prior to being the COO, Chris was started with us as an engineer and then he became the technical leader in the business. And I remember sitting in my office and Chris walked into my office when he says, Hey, I want to have a conversation. He said, you know, I think I need to step up and take on more than technical. I want to I wanna do more leadership in the business. I think the business needs it. And I'm like, hail Mary. <laughs> um, and because, uh, you know, I, I think uh, before that, a lot of people were waiting for the tap on the shoulder. Okay, you're a manager now or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, Chris walked in and he said, you know, 
you know, what do you recommend I read, I study, I learn? Um, and I think I gave him a list of things to read. I think it was a lot of, a lot of John Maxwell stuff at the time, wasn't it, Chris? It was, yeah. um, and, and Chris, and we had a great conversation and um, Chris left the room. And I said to myself then, in that moment, there's my new COO. Um, it wasn't for another year that that happened, but it was that sort of moment. Uh, and I think many, many people inside of entrepreneurial companies are, are probably waiting for the entrepreneur to give them a tap. Okay, you're part of my team now. And I don't think that that intuitively happens. No. And, and I think what you're looking for there and realizing that if, if we're going to look for those employees to raise their hands and be leaders, we have to actually bring that forward into the recruiting and interviewing process. Right. I mean, that we have to actually recruit leaders in all roles. You know, we have to look for people that are coming in as a payroll clerk who's a strong leader. I want somebody who's a frontline IT person to, be a, to have the leadership skills. So if we're looking for that, that has to be part of your vivid vision so that you push away people that aren't leaders. It has to be part of your job posting so that people go, oh my God, that sounds like me. Like I wanna be in a company that wants me to speak up um, and it pushes people away that won't speak up. So we, you almost have to start with that versus saying, you know, they asked Herb Kelleher from Southwest Airlines, how do you get all your employees to be so happy? He said, we hire happy people. You know, you, we can't turn grumpy people into happy people we can't turn non-leaders into leaders, right? Right. Chris, what are your thoughts on this? So I, I got lots of thoughts on this topic, actually. But first off, I've got six, well, six counting myself, uh, enrolled in your course, Invest in Your Leaders course. Nice. So, so we're doing it. And I fell in love with the idea. So you kind of roll that out to us in advance during, during a COO session. And I fell in love with the idea because... It's not de leadership development for the top of the company. It's leadership development for the entire company from, like you said, from the payroll clerk all the way up to the COO or the CEO, sorry. And so many people get advanced in their career due to situations. A really great project, just, you know, he, he nailed it. All right, awesome, here's your promotion. Or, or maybe somebody left a role and you needed someone to fill it. So it's like, ah, you're the next best. So you, you get the job. And there's so many skills that get missed along the way. And that's what's so great about your course. It's like, it doesn't matter if you're the COO or it doesn't matter if you're a reception. Here are the skills you know, that you need to be an effective leader in any part of the company. That's what I really love about the course. And then I've got... Of the employees that are taking it, one, one person is, he's, he's just a, a real go-getter when it comes to, okay, this course is in front of me, I'm going to complete it. So he's probably 90% complete. And, you know, he's had it for a couple of days. And he really comes, uh, it, it was, it was our leader, our operations leader. Oh, awesome. That's cool. So, um, so then what he said to me after was like, you know, I really enjoyed the interview part because that's something that was, I was never trained on. And just the, the tips and the tricks about interviewing and that really, that really kind of hit with him. So there's a lot of great stuff in there, Cameron. Thank you. Yeah. And I, what I'm trying to do is bring the systems into these organizations in an entrepreneurial fashion. I was never the smart guy in school, you know, even though I've been able to build all these companies and I've done so well at, at building organizations and writing books and stuff, I've never been the smart guy. So what I've always tried to do is find the cheat sheets and the easy to implement systems. And then I also, because I built three franchise organizations, 
I'm very good at putting a simple system in place that can be implemented by hundreds of people. Because if I can't have that system be implemented by everybody, then it doesn't work. So I think in a way of systems. I think I, I write all of my books in these simple, here's how you do these things kinds of ways. I think Gina Wickman did a, a great job with, with traction in taking a lot of the systems and almost documenting them into an entrepreneurial operating system, right, into EOS. Um, I, I think very similarly to that. I think that's what, when, when companies are looking to put systems in place for themselves, you could go out and hire trainers or, or build a learning department, or you could just plug in this invest in your leaders course, right? Or you could try to have like a, a great internal training program or just have your employees read a chapter of a book. You know, I think we have to find the, the shortcuts. I always see entrepreneurs like flies trying to bang their head against the window, right? Like the flies are banging their head against the window, but if they would turn and go out the door that's right here, that's open, they'd be free, but they don't look for that shortcut. They're going to work hard. Being a successful business is often not about working hard. It's about working smart. And I, I, again, just always believe that the more we, the more we grow our people, the more they'll grow our brand, which, you know, Chris, you're even in the COO Alliance, which is a, an organization just for second in commands. And then Don, you're in a couple of mastermind communities where, you know, you're growing yourself. Right. And, and I'm in, I'm in five different mastermind groups. Like I invest to be in the genius network. I'm in my seventh year. I did seven years of strategic coach. I've been to, to three baby bathwater events, five mastermind talks events. I've gone to the, to the five day Ted conference nine times. Um, I've gone to war room a couple times. Like I I'm, really deeply immersed in in growing my skills but also connecting with other smart leaders so that i know you know who to turn to yeah i mean i've i've been in uh coach for four or five years now genius network for three and prior to that i'm, I'm a i'm a pretty heavy learner uh i i i consume knowledge particularly anything on business i've got probably thousands of books over the last 30 years that i've read multiple times I've gotten more through networking with other uh, uh, successful entrepreneurs in the last three years than I did in the preceding 20 years, right? Trying to do it myself. Right. Um, and, you know, and even, even things like systems like EOS, I mean, we're, we implement things from genius network, from strategic coach and EOS into our unique application of how we do these things. Well, and then we think about like, you know, I, what I don't understand about entrepreneurs and leaders is why we won't invest in our teams and grow them or, or often why some entrepreneurs won't grow themselves. Like Gina Wickman, who wrote Traction, EOS Traction, is in Strategic Coach and has been for a dozen years, right? Yeah. Um, and, and he's a part of the Genius Network, right? Like he's in a mastermind community where he's the dumb guy. You know, Russell Brunson, who created ClickFunnels, is a Genius Network member. Jeff Walker from the Product Launch Formula is a Genius Network member. I've got Dean Jackson who invented the squeeze page and landing pages working on my email funnels for me. I've got an awesome. amazing copywriter, Jennifer Huday does copywriting and work for me. Like my co-author of the Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs was a Genius Network member. Tucker from Scribe, Book in a Box has written three of my books, is a Genius Network member. Like I don't have to be the smartest person in the room anymore. I just have to be connected with them. And yeah. then it becomes, I think what you're good at is deciding what systems to put in place when, what projects to work on when, so that we work on the highest return on our investment, right? As entrepreneurs, we have three inputs. We have our people, we have our time and our money. And it's how do we get the highest ROI off those three inputs? 
because sometimes the projects are a good idea, but maybe not this year. Well, I think that's the great conversations that Chris and I have, because I, I think we're always about 80% in alignment, but then I throw a few other things out there. Chris will almost always agree that they're a good idea, but hey, we got to focus on these three things first. And it helps prioritize what we're actually going to implement so that, because I think prior to having this structure and this working relationship, I always tried to do 10 things and therefore, you know, seven of them got 50% of the way there. And then they lost, you know, in, in Gino's language, they lost traction. Um, and, you know, and I, I had already moved on to something new, expecting that the team behind me was getting these things done. I would say, Don, that is, and, and my opinion on that for our relationship anyway, it's not so much my skill to know what the timing is. It, it's actually yours. So because you've invested in the vivid vision and created that plan. So, you know, not that you forget what the plan is, but that's when the distractions might come in, you know, the ADD yeah. we've talked about might come in, but you've given me the tool to select the right time. So all I got to do is keep going back to the things that you created, the vivid vision or our, our three-year plan and use that to decide the right time. It's not, I'm not, I'm not making that up. I'm just using what you've given that's me. That's fair. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's, that's, your, that, that's a, that's a great, that's a great analogy. And, you know, and, and by the way, it was Jennifer's team who, who helped us with our vivid vision, Cameron. So, and, and, and I, I, you know, I've done, I think I'm just finishing my fourth book. Um, it's actually on my other screen here. I got to do an edit to send it back. It's Dean's team that, that does those with me. Well, I've done three. I just finished a book with Dean uh, on the eight profit activators as it applies to the industrial space. It's called the industrial code. It's coming out. Uh, it's coming out here any day. I think the uh, that's a co-written book, well, mostly by Dean, me being interviewed with how it's applied in the industrial space. So Hi. We lean into, uh, you know, using those networks of other who's, those other experts. I think it, it, it amplifies our abilities and helps us focus on what we're good at, right? Yep, it totally does. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to this episode of the Amplifier Podcast. If you wish to get in contact with anyone on the show, Don Cooper, Chris Coombs, or our beloved guest, Cameron Harold, then you can do so anytime at the links in the description. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode, and be sure to leave us a five-star rating. It truly does help us out a lot. Thank you so much for listening again, and we will see you next time on the Amplifier Podcast.